So uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 17, which is on page 969 of the church Bibles. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to them also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take off your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. As a uh, kid growing up, I spent all my, most of my summers in Canada with uh, my grandparents or my aunts and uncles, uh, sort of spend two or three months uh, up uh, hanging out with them and doing all sorts of things. And uh, one day in particular, uh, I was at my, staying with my aunt and uncle, and, um, or I should say aunt and uncle, but uh, I was staying with my aunt and uncle and, um, and my cousins uh, and, and things, and it was a work day. There was uh, a bunch of uh, wood that had been chopped by my uncle and it was sort of scattered all around. And my two cousins and I were put to the task of picking up all the wood and stacking it neatly between two trees. And uh, as kids growing up, you know, it's not really what, the way you want to spend your day, but we started at doing the work and, and uh, started stacking wood. And as we were stacking it very quickly, my two cousins began to run off, run off into the woods and find other things to do. I kept stacking the wood. And um, eventually my uncle came out and sort of where, you know, where, and asked where his sons were. And I'm, uh, well, they're out there. And so he rounded them back up and brought them back in. And they began to stack wood with me again. And as soon as their dad went away, they ran off back into the woods. <laughs> and I kept stacking the wood until all the work was done and all the wood was stacked and, and everything. And, uh, and while I had been out doing the work uh, that we, the three of us were supposed to be doing, um, inside, I was seething at my cousins. <laughs> I was plotting revenge. I was plotting all the things that, the punishment that should be cast upon them and all those sorts of things was going on the whole time. And I was thinking about how righteous I was and how good I was and how evil and wicked and despicable that they were. But fortunately, at the end of the day, when uh, sort of we were sitting down to dinner, um, and I was feeling that I had been unjustly treated, um, and, and all of that, my uncle acknowledged as we sat down to dinner that I had been the one that had done the work, and that his own sons had not done anything to really provide much help to that. And at that moment, I thought, God is just and right, and I have received my reward because it has been acknowledged that I am the righteous one. <laughs> That's kind of what we're getting at with this passage today. In fact, I mean, I can still pull up into my uncle's house and I see that wood pile and that story comes back to my mind. Because it's easy for us to think that it's the outward things that are really important. But you know, the whole time that my outward focus of doing the right thing, inside, nothing inside of me was right in that moment. 
It was about vengeance. It was about getting back. It was about, you know, if I could have called down fire from heaven, I probably would have been doing that. And, and what we hear is today, as we continue on in our, our, our topic of the Jesus way, today we're talking about radical fulfillment. Jesus comes and talks to the disciples and says, I didn't come. If you think I came to get rid of the law, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it and to be quite radical about the way that I am fulfilling the law. It would be easy to sort of take this reading that Ali just gave and, and think that what Jesus is really saying to us is that, well, you know, we have this law where it says, you know, don't do these things. And now Jesus is adding more things to it. But in reality, Jesus isn't sort of adding new laws. He's not adding new things that now we have to live up to. Jesus is beginning to describe what it really means to be righteous. And so he goes on and he says, you know, the, the, the right, there is a righteousness that is the righteousness of the, of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes and the Pharisees are all about behavior, all about what we do and doing the right thing. And what Jesus is saying is, it's not actually just about doing the right thing. It's actually about what's underneath the right thing. It's actually about the heart that's behind it. That what is really, well, as, as a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, and I would, if I say anything that's helpful today, it all's credited to Dallas Willard. So I'm just ripping everything off from him. So basically, but uh, in his book, um, uh, Divine Conspiracy, he, Dallas would say this, that, that what Jesus is not doing is showing us um, uh, the, the source of righteousness. He's showing us the course of righteousness. We don't earn God's favor by doing the right things. We don't earn God's favor by having a right heart. It is that after we've received the righteousness that Jesus has purchased for us, that we begin to live differently because of what there's a change on the inside that's happening to us. So the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, the interesting thing is they were so focused on the outward behavior and yet the scribe, Jesus will say later on of the scribes and the Pharisees that they put this law on everybody else and they don't even do it themselves. And so Jesus said, that is not good enough. That's not actually what righteousness is about. This is about the type of people we are. Not our behaviors, but the very type of people we are, that inward peace. And so it is in that that Jesus begins to unfold what it means to be the kind of people that he's called us to be. And it's amazing because this gets very practical. These are, these are six sort of very practical um, applications of what outward righteousness looks like versus what an inward type of person that we're called to be and transformed into. So I'm just gonna walk through these sort of uh, quickly this morning. Uh, the first one is, well, I won't ask you how many of you have murdered anyone. I, I won't ask that question. I mean, but my guess is, my guess is that there's not many. My guess is that most of us here, if I asked, had murdered, uh, if you had not murdered anyone, uh, I, probably most of you would be able to raise your hand. 
But if I ask the question, how many of you have just gotten so irritated with a family member or a colleague that um, you just were stewing over um, the way uh, that, that sort of, uh, and, and your feelings, you were dealing with deep emotional feelings about someone you love or are close to or work with. Can I see a raise of hands if you could join me? I, I'm raising my hand. Yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, most of us, I think, yeah. This is really practical, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say, oh, you should never, ever have become frustrated with a colleague or a loved one. Actually, Jesus says, in other words, he's he's saying, when this happens, this is going to happen. This is a condition of human life, is that there are gonna be moments when the people we know, the people around us, the people we're close with, the people we work with, they are going to frustrate us. And Jesus says, when we're in that place where somebody has done something that is just annoying and irritating and frustrating, he said, the outward appearance, the law, the outward law, the outward righteousness says, well, don't kill them. That's nice. That's good. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty clear thing. Just don't kill them. (laughs) But Jesus says, The kind of person that is truly righteous is not just the person who doesn't kill someone. The kind of person that is truly righteous is the kind of person that actually wants to keep really short accounts. The kind of person that when something's wrong, they would actually even be going to the altar and they would stop and they would say, you know what, wait a minute, something's wrong in this relationship. I need to go take care of that right now. The righteousness of the kind of person that Jesus is talking about is someone who just decides that I'm, I'm not gonna be let this anger take over. I'm gonna go deal with this right now and find a way to make things right, find a way to be reconciled with this person. That's the kind of person that Jesus says is righteous. That's the kind of people that he's calling us to be. Well, he moves from murder. I mean, that's good. Probably, again, I'm not, I didn't take a poll, but probably most of us were in the, we didn't, hadn't murdered before. But my guess is that most of us would say, but if I think of that kind of person that Jesus is talking about, ooh, I probably fit that category (laughs) of having not lived up to that. Well, the next one Jesus comes to, it talks about sex. I mean, he's getting to the real stuff, isn't he? He says the old view is that, and the, the old way of righteousness is that if you see somebody and you're attracted to them and sort of a desire begins to build, you know, the, the way to keep the law is simply to just not have sex with them, not sleep with them. Okay? I, again, I, I won't take a poll on this one. <laughs> but that seems pretty clear. And probably lots of people were able to say, no, yep, no, I haven't done that. I, I've been faithful to my vows in that way and I haven't, I haven't done that. But Jesus says, no, but see, the kind of person that is really truly righteous is the one who, he doesn't say that we would never 
see somebody and be attracted and even have desire in a moment. He acknowledges that that's actually part of the way we live, part of the way we're wired. We can, we can feel that sense of desire. But he says in the moment of feeling that desire, it's the kind of person that, that he's talking about us becoming is the kind of person who says, yeah, but you know what? They may be really attractive or there may be something about them that I'm very attracted to. But you know what? I, I can't dwell there. I'm not going to begin to go there in my mind and start to think of and fantasize and go and say, begin to think about what this might be like. It says not just not committing adultery, it's actually the way we value and we treat other people, the way we think about them sexually. Well, then he moves from there to, to divorce. And I think it's really helpful and important to know here that um, the, the situation of, in, of the day I mean, we know that, it, that divorce was allowed, certainly, and Jesus talks about this, but, but we, we have to understand the kind of divorce that was being practiced now at this point in time by, by the Jews was, that, um, was uh, not just simply that people could get divorced, sort of, but it was that, first of all, divorce was something, a, a wife couldn't divorce her husband, but a husband could divorce his wife and could divorce her any time for any reason. In other words, he could get up in the morning and say, you burnt the toast, I'm tired of that, it's done. He didn't even have to have a reason. It was one-sided, no-fault divorce. And the only thing that mattered was that he went through the proper procedures and filled out the proper paperwork. In other words, it was, talking about National Women's Day, it was, the, the issue was, Basically, men being able to lord it over their wives and say basically like, you know what, I'm finished with you. I'm going for, you know, the next one. End of story. Just fill out the right paperwork. We'll type that up in triplicate forms. Oh, we don't do that anymore. Anyway, that's what the kind of divorce that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus said, well, you, we could, you know, you could, you could fill out the right forms, but, but you see, he said, and it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say that there's no allowance for divorce here. He just says, he says, look, this is not something that is just simply about you growing tired of your wife. This is something about the kind of person who would never put their wife away unless there was some incredible breach of, of, of covenant relationship. And Jesus moves on to taking vows. <laughs> now, we don't do this sort of thing that often today. We don't sort of practice. But the idea was that you would, when you really, well, we do in a way. Because have you ever been in that kind of conversation with somebody and you really wanted them to know you were trying to get your way with them? trying to get them to agree to whatever it is you wanted to agree. And in that moment, you were saying, you know what, I, I swear, this is, you know, and you begin to sort of like, you know, on a stack of Bibles, you're trying to convince, trying to conjole, trying to get the other person to sort of go along with you. And so you begin to sort of, you know, up the ante about how, what you really mean. You, I really need you to trust me. I swear on a stack of Bibles to, you know, up here. What's Jesus? He said, it, it, 
The old way, the old righteousness, the outward sign of righteousness is to say, if you make that kind of vow, you're going to keep it. Jesus says, I'm talking about the kind of person that it would never even be a question. Because they just say yes, and it's yes. And they say no, and it's no. And nobody would ever think to, they would never need to do that sort of thing to manipulate people into trying to think and, and go along with them because they just know that they're the kind of person that their word is their bond. That's the kind of person that's a righteous person. And, and then he goes and moves beyond that and says, well, you, you know, there's times when we're injured. There's times in our life when we experience injury from someone else. And Jesus says the old, the outward righteousness says that, well, if I lost my finger, then I get to come and get your finger. <laughs> if I lose my eye, then I get to go to court and make sure you lose your eye. That's outward righteousness. That's the way the allowance was made. If I lose my left arm, guess what? You get to lose your left arm. And Jesus says, the kind of person, the kind of person that would follow after me, the kind of person that I want you to become, the kind, that kind of person is the kind of person that when asked to go a mile at the end of the mile says, you know what, let me just keep going with you for a while. It isn't kind of counting up what, how I've been injured, but actually beginning to say, you know what, I'm, I'm here to do more. In fact, oh, you wanted my... You wanted my coat, well, here's my shirt as well. That's a very different thing going on in the heart of the individual. And then the last one that we read today is about our enemies. About our enemies. And Jesus said, you know, the outward fulfillment of having an enemy is simply, you get to hate them. There was nothing in the law that said you couldn't dislike your enemies. Jesus said, but the kind of person that I'm talking about, the kind of person, the kind of righteousness that I'm looking at is the kind of person that has the same attitude that my heavenly father does. And that is even those people who are vehemently opposed to the father the father loves and he wants the best for them and he reaches out for them and he cares for them. Jesus says that's the kind of righteousness of the heart that actually looks upon our enemy not with hate, not saying there's nobody in my life that would count as an enemy saying that those people, even those people that are deeply opposed to me, I want the best for them. I want to live in a way that is not about getting back at them, but seeking their best. This isn't the way we become righteous. This is not the source of our righteousness. This is the course of our righteousness. You say, because Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law and to fulfill all righteousness. 
And part of the reason Jesus is, is showing this new way to the people around him is partly to say, there's no, you didn't live up to the old law. You couldn't live up to the outward piece of the law. There is really no way you're going to live up to the inward things. Jesus is using these as illustrations to the people to begin to chart the course for them to say, come and follow me. If you come and you follow me, I'm going to change the inside of you. I'm going to do a work not on the outside, but on the inside. The only way that this happens is becoming a follower of Jesus and getting on the Jesus way. None of this comes naturally to us. None of this is how we're wired. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus and to come after him. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31.3 said this. God says this. He says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Jesus said it. The whole focus has been on the outward stuff. And I'm here today to start to write that law on your heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, God says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus says, come on the way with me. Come become my disciple. Come begin to follow after me. I'm not, Jesus actually said what? His burden was easy and his yoke was light. Jesus' point was not to say to them, here, here's some more stuff that you can't live up to. Jesus was pointing out to them the real change that needs to happen is a change on the inside. And Jesus is saying, and I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to radically fulfill it. I'm going to fulfill it all the way to death on a cross for you. And what I want for you in exchange is to come and follow after me. And as you come and follow after me, we'll do some heart surgery. We'll make some changes in those places that are hard. That doesn't happen overnight. We'll begin to soften those up. Let's not worry right now so much about the outward things. Let's do something on the inside. As we come to a close, I, I just wonder, I mean, I'm challenged by this. I know there's lots of places within me that still are not right. I'm pretty good about keeping up the outward appearances. <laughs> Sounds like a 90s sitcom or something, yeah, keeping up appearances. I'm pretty good at that. Oh, but you know what? There's days that the stuff on the inside just doesn't match up. 
I wonder for us today, how many of us would just say, I need a deeper work on the inside. I know that there are just still some places within that there's hardness. There's some places within that I haven't yet become the kind of person that Jesus is talking about. Oh, it looks pretty good. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't slept with anybody else. I haven't done, you know, divorced my wife, whatever the list is. I haven't done those things. But yeah, but I just know there's still some work, some interior stuff that needs to happen. I just want to give us a few minutes today I really kind of feel like it would be easy to call us up. But my sense is that that's an outward thing. (laughs) And today what we need to focus on is some inward things. And so I'm just going to pray for us for a minute and then I'm going to give us a few minutes of silence for you to just have that conversation with God, that inward conversation. Inward conversation about maybe saying something along the lines of, I know inside I'm not quite the kind of person that you've called me to be. And Jesus, I want to be on the way with you. I want to be on the Jesus way. And I know that means maybe some heart surgery (laughs) to soften some things up and do some new work in me. And then after that, we'll invite the worship team to come up and lead us. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us to a new and a living way. Lord, we thank you that you fulfilled all righteousness. And we just acknowledge, Lord, that On our own, we can't even do the outward things, let alone the inward kind of people that you've called us to be. So today, we just come to you and say, come Lord Jesus. Even as we prayed earlier that confession, make us clean on the inside. Do your work in us today. I'll just give a few minutes. And if there's a particular place today that you feel is a place of inward struggle for you, just take a few moments and have a conversation with the Lord about that place today.